Hi, this is Rudy Tomjanovich, and welcome to Ball Control. Ball Control. What's up, Conroe? Welcome to a brand new edition of Ball Control. This is Corey DLG, and with me as always is little brother Nico. Hey, guys. Uh, we are on 104.5, 106.1. Um, allegedly, they're sisters. I have not seen the family tree, though. You know, I've never really investigated. Right, yeah. They might not even have the same pappy. No. Who's her pappy? Who is? We may never know. Uh, we're also streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. And uh, you can check us out at Facebook.com backslash Ball Control Podcast and Twitter and things. And Find us on NerdThugRadio.com. All that great stuff. I ran out of steam there. I know. Started strong and then, you know. You're like, hey, you uh, find us on the internet probably. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. We're Google here. us. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, anyway, as you're driving around today, we have some sports radio entertainment for you. Uh, big thing today, we got an interview with the, with the, 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 <laughs> Rudy Tomjanovich. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. It's a fun one. This is exciting. This is kind of like a, like. A little bit of a celebrity shock for me because it's like it's this is so important. This is easily the biggest deal so far, right? Right. Um, I mean, I know we did uh, Kevin Smith and Haywood Jeffries. Well, I was gonna say when we were in Louisiana, we did Million Dollar Man. We did. We also did that for Nerd Thug Radio. And then for Nerd Thug, we've also done. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. I hate to call him this, but the Black Ghostbuster, and Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson. I uh, use his intro like all the time because it's my favorite you? one. Nice. Um, so like there's, I mean, we've done some people that, that like you see, but Rudy T, that one hits home. Right. Yeah. I had his pog. Right. <laughs> I had his pog. It was important to me. It was interesting. Um, weird bit of sports trivia before we go too far into anything. So there's a NBA guy. He was the coach of the Warriors right before they hired Steve Kerr. All right. The literally the year before they went to the finals. This is, this was their coach. A guy by the name of Mark Jackson. He does TV an analysis for TNT. Okay. Uh, he's pretty good. He's a pretty good analyst. Uh, apparently, he had a little bit of issue. He, he he felt like he had more control than he really did within the organization. Which is... So, he got fired after one year. He went from TV to coach, back to TV. All right. But a former player. Um, I was on Reddit the other day, and one of his cards one year... Oh, has like... Has the Menendez brothers in the background? Right. And it's apparently the night that they killed their parents. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's crazy. That's wild. That's crazy. Um, so the, for those who don't know their criminal history, I guess you would call it, the Menendez brothers was a famous case in mid to late 90s. And essentially, these two brothers were... I think between 18 and 20 and 22, something like that. I did see this picture, so yeah, they look about... They're younger, um, and they basically covered for each other while they decided to kill their parents to inherit the money. Mm. Um, and so like they went out that night to try and establish their alibis. They had receipts from clubs, and they went to a basketball game. They tried to be as visible as possible for the whole weekend. And apparently very visible because they're, they're on a basketball a, card. They did a great job because they're sitting in the front row of a Knicks game when the Knicks were, were good. And uh, they're right there in the background of a Mark Jackson basketball card. That's weird. It's weird to see. That's but, like, crazy. I feel like, I don't, I don't know, it's always been like those crazy statistics that are like, oh, like one in like 25 people that you've met is probably a serial killer. It's like, but how accurate is that? What? Is that true? I don't know if that's exactly the statistic. I think I only know exactly 25 people. Well, one of them, that's it. That's only one of them. I can see that. I, I, I got a list of like six of y'all that I think might be it. That makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, see? The shocker would be if it wasn't one of the six that I've got <laughs> circled, though. <laughs> yeah, it's like this guy. It's like, oh, I thought it was so nice. Yeah. But... But he was my friend. <laughs> he I seemed like so normal, <laughs> right. which is what everyone says on the news broadcast. When like, yeah, we found a torture dungeon in his basement. And you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. He did seem normal. He, he did seemed, seem normal. <laughs> he seemed so normal. Um, yeah, it's a that's a, but the Menendez thing is a weird story, and then it was just weird that someone, A, it's weird that it happened, but B, I think it's funny. It took so long, and then somebody finally noticed and was like, yeah, they're right there. Yeah, like 20 years later. <laughs> and you're like, whoa. Whoa. To be fair, I don't know exactly what they look like, so when I saw the card on the internet, like they just circled two people. 
and you're like, I guess that's them. Right. Like it, it could be anyone, but like they did circle two youngish, like guys. And you're like, guys in yeah, their probably. 20s. And I was like, yeah, that, that sounds about right. Uh, but yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? It's like never tell me the odds of that. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Like you think it's such a random thing, but then you you find out that like crime data is like no, no, not that weird. Yeah. One in one in eight people you know is probably gonna kill someone or something like that, and you're like, really? But is then you start really thinking that high. The, start thinking through the people you know, and like every eighth person, you're like, yeah, no, that that would be someone who kills someone. That's, That's reasonable. That is accurate. If they haven't yet, they will tomorrow. Like I could see it. Right. Um. But yeah. Anyway, so we got a fun episode today. Now that we've talked murder. Right. Start with murder. That way, everything up from there is uphill. Right. Yeah. yeah. See. And see. This is the way to do it. This is radio programming 101. Um, Start with sad, and then everything's really, better. I mean, it's not sad. Like, is it still it's sad? Just death. Thirty years later, twenty years later, is it I sad mean, still? Are you still sad? I don't know. I'm not. I mean, I wasn't sad then. I was a kid then. <laughs> you didn't know. I didn't. I mean, yeah, I didn't. I didn't even really understand. I was like, wait. So if your parents die, you get rich. Is that how that works? And then you start looking at my parents, like maybe. <laughs> but then my parents were teachers growing up, so not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> once, I, once I realized what their careers were, I said, "Well, it doesn't seem like that's me." <laughs> I think you mm. have to. I think you have to be something else in order for your kids to get rich when you die. <laughs> that makes sense. Certainly not a teacher. Um. So we got some stuff to go over. The uh, the NFL has continued to make a fool of itself when it oh, comes to domestic excellent. violence. And Man, lying to like the media, their track record's real bad. It's, it's the worst, and it never. It's I don't think it's ever going to get better because they don't seem to get it. Because they don't like women. I don't think, man. Okay, so I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine, a really good friend of mine, and we were talking about uh, the migrant caravan, and we're on different sides of the issue. But one of the things we were talking about was that the definition for asylum technically is that your country is supposed to be in civil war, or that you're persecuted for being a part of a group or gender, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so he said these countries in the in South and Central Latin America don't qualify. And I said I said, Well, they don't qualify in the traditional sense, but they are being targeted because they're young children and these gangs recruit the kids and blah blah blah. Also Honduras is one of the top five most dangerous countries in the world, according to the UN right now. And so I said, realistically what what the issue is is we just don't understand the level of violence they're facing. Like if we could get a snapshot of what it's like there, we would we I don't think people would there wouldn't be two sides to this issue, I don't think. And so I think that's kind of the same way with domestic violence. Is I think as men, as an NFL, they don't they don't know. There's not enough women voices in the NFL because it's a, it's a male sport. It's dominated by men. It's it's run by men. It's owned by men. I just don't think that there's a... Uh, I feel like they're like far too lenient with like a lot of this stuff. Well, or they don't follow up at all. Well, they, they just... And they're even with such large pushes. Like I remember back when it was a player from Baltimore. But Ray Rice, ago. yes. A couple of years ago, where there was like there was like a quite a big campaign, and then like well, nothing and so, afterward. <laughs> well, and so with him, the issue was they punished him once. They suspended him two games or four games or whatever it was. He went those two games without pay. He was about to, he was reinstated, and he actually I think had played one or two weeks, and he wasn't playing great. Like he's he was a thirty year old running back at that point, which in the NFL means you're pretty much done anyway. However, TMZ got a hold of the video, though, and released it. And in the video, now I'm going to say this, and I don't want to sound like I'm justifying this, but I do want to preface this. In the video, the woman who he does eventually marry, she does hit him first. She commits assault. He then hits her. But he is so much stronger than her and so much more powerful than her that when he hits her, she is unconscious. Right, because he's a football player. And then he is dragging her by her hair. And the hotel staff sees it. They don't really do anything about it. It's not like he was arrested there on the spot for it. Yeah, that's true. Um, It it was just a really weird, ugly, just sad incident. Um, But the NFL suspended him. So, by all, if I'm Ray Rice and I screwed up, I did something terrible, but the league punished me, that's it. It's over. It's over. I, I went through a community violence program with Baltimore, with the city of Baltimore. I'm done. Everybody's happy. When the video comes out, the NFL then turns around and then suspends him. The Baltimore Ravens suspend him. They then ban him indefinitely. He then has to do. He has to file a grievance through his players' union, and he and he wins. And I think he won a little bit of money. I'm sure a couple million dollars. 
Um, and honestly, he was entitled to it at that point. Right. You don't you don't double dip on punishment. No. If you're the NFL, you got to get the first punishment right because you can't go back and yeah. repunish. Which is essentially what they did here in this Kareem Hunt thing with the Chiefs, and that's what we're getting to. Um, Bring it back. So fast forward all the way through. There's been some other instances, some really bad ones. Greg Hardy had uh, an apartment full of assault weapons, and he's beating his girlfriend for like an hour. Uh, the neighbors downstairs called the cops multiple times within the span of one night, and he's like telling her, "I could kill you so easily," and he's throwing her on top of the guns, and he's putting the guns in her face, and he's, it's it's horrific. But there's no video, so I think he served in a six game suspension. And then he came back and played the last 10 games for the Cowboys. And then he went on to continue his career in the NFL, um, which is an embarrassment. Right. Uh, Reuben Foster just had his second incident, and the NFL had to deactivate him to keep the Washington Redskins from playing him. Um, Kareem Hunt. So Kareem Hunt had an incident. This was actually back in February. This is part of the problem with all this is when it happens, the NFL does nothing. This was in February, and it was already his second criminal issue within a couple months. He had something else come up beforehand. It wasn't domestic violence, though. It was something else. Okay. Um, he's living in an apartment. He's living in, a, like, a condo in a hotel. And he gets in a fight with a woman. And in the video, you clearly see he's the aggressor. He shoves her. Uh, at one point, uh, she gets tripped up and she falls down. And uh, he then kicks her while she's down. Oh, man. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's sort of funny when he kicks her. Not because violence is funny, but just the way, like, she's already laid, she's, like, sitting, she's, like, sitting on her butt on the ground, and, like, he can't get to her, so he just, like, sticks his foot, like, between people's legs. Like, he's, he's so mad that he has to touch her. Like, like, it's not something, he can't, like, get at her, get at her with any real force or anything at that point, but it's just sad. Like, it's pathetic. So, apparently, when it gets all involved and it happens, he goes to the Chiefs. Uh, and the Chiefs are like, hey, we heard about this, what's going on? And he told the Chiefs that he was in his apartment the whole time, he never came out, he didn't do anything. There were no police reports issued. There were conflicting stories. The police just walked away. There was no real damage done to anybody. Everybody just went separate ways. This video now comes out. Uh, When the video comes out, the NFL states that at the time they tried, they asked for it. The hotel said their policy is that they don't issue things except to law enforcement. So the media ran with that story for about two days. Well, then the hotel came back and said, hey, we've looked into this, and nobody requested the video. We don't have a policy that we can't hand out video to inquiring parties. So if the NFL had asked for it, we would have given it to them. So they didn't ask for it. So they didn't ask for it. So the NFL didn't want to know. The Chiefs didn't want to know. Nobody interviewed Kareem Hunt. Either the, so the Chiefs talked to him the one time. The NFL never interviewed him. Um, nobody from the NFL interviewed the Chiefs. Uh, they didn't do anything about it. No suspension, no anything. And then they turn around, and um, now he's... The Chiefs went ahead and released him. Once they found out that he'd been lied to, they just went ahead and released him. They said, not interested. We're done. Uh, which is reasonable. That's that's a fine... Yeah, that's, I think, the correct decision to make there. Yeah, and listen, it, it would have been the right decision to make if you had found out that he had abused her, but even just found out that he lied. But now the real question is, what do you do to the NFL? And I don't think there's anything you can do to the NFL, but the NFL just seems to kind of always do this. They just they want to get it wrong uh, like every I, time. Right. I think what I think the biggest thing about this is that they didn't even ask. Because yeah. like I like I would totally understand if they asked if the hotel had this policy and like, well then they have to file like a police report and like then all of this has to get involved. Like that's and, a different story. And they're like, you know what, let's just leave it be. Right. Fine. Fine. But we, the fact that the hotel was like, they never even asked us, like that's they, such a that's the easy. That's step one, right? Right. Yeah. So they didn't ask the hotel, they didn't ask the police, and they didn't interview Kareem Hunt. Right. So how is the NFL actually trying to get to the bottom of this incident? They're not. Right. They're that's clearly the, not. The answer is they're not. Right. And since they're not, then there's nothing else that we can do but assume that they just don't care. And that's sort of a sad position that to put the NFL in, where you just go, oh, okay, well they just don't really give a crap. Uh, we're running over here, so we're going to jump out to a break. When we come back, we got a lot of other stuff going on that we're going to talk about here on ball control. Ball control. Ball control. Welcome back to more ball control. That's right. This is Corey DLG, and with me is little brother Nico. Hey guys. Um. So, kind of to wrap up the Kansas City Chiefs stuff right there that we were talking about. The NFL has released a statement 
where essentially they're saying that their policy is now they don't pay for videos during investigations. What? So that's really their stance. Their stance is now, listen, that's not. we're not interested in that. Like, to save face as a company, I think they should just just do it. <laughs> I Honestly, uh, I'm a little surprised to hear you say that, but I agree with you wholeheartedly that I think that it's the correct move is to just go ahead and pay. Right. Just go ahead and pay. Right, because you know what looks real dumb is when you're like, we just don't want to buy it. Right. We heard there was a tape out there, but we weren't interested in pursuing it. Huh? What? No. Huh? Why? Like, it, there's literally zero. It doesn't benefit them to not do that. Right. Like, it's not going to be so cost of, like, first of all, it's not going to hurt them. No. So that can't be the issue. God forbid the multi-billion dollar industry that is <laughs> the that is National football. football League. Right. Yeah. Um, Spare a couple of schmickles for some, some video that may be very important to some people. Yeah, and and we'll determine the image of the league. Right. Like, this is how you get the complete information. This is how you determine what happened is the video. The video was never going to lie to you. Right. Um. You know, obviously the running back of the Chiefs, uh, he had he had uh, he had an incentive to not be honest. Right. Um. It's his call. It's called his career. Right. So, I don't know why. Like, I don't know why you would just take his word. Right. He told the Chiefs that nothing happened. And that he stayed in his room. He didn't right. come out. Then on the video, it's in the beginning of the video, it's literally just him and her in the hallway. And he face palms the stuffing out of her. Like, she goes flying back a solid six feet in the video. Like, she's trying to keep her balance on her heels, you know? And, like, he face, like, he face palms her. Like, I mean. I don't know. Like it's just it doesn't like it doesn't help them at all because now like they're like oh okay now yes. they're chasing it now instead of being ahead of it they could have they could have suspended them six games the beginning of the year right like I know I'm not trying to what they could have done they could have suspended them six games at the beginning of the year and said we saw the video it's bad it's embarrassing they could have released the video then while he's suspended when they announced the suspension and when he comes back it's done it's over. It's week seven. The Chiefs are in the middle of a, of, a, of a playoff race. They're playing some of the best football you've ever seen. Nobody's going to talk about it after the week after the week he comes back. Right. Um, and, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to say that, but that's the truth. Well, and then because now it's just like, well, I mean, now you just you're, you're essentially at this point protecting an abuser using finger quotes there. Sort of. I mean, they fired him. They he's out of a job. He's out of a job. But. At what it took this long, it took them. It took people finding out that they lied. It took the video coming out, right, to find out that he shouldn't, that he should be punished. Which uh, is just sad when that should have be again. Now the NFL looks really terrible in this light because, again, like you should have said, they could have just suspended him the six games, and this wouldn't have been an issue at all. At all, at all, it would have been no. There have been no issue at all because then they would have been like, "Listen, we saw the video. We're we're deeply disturbed. We suspended him. We find him." Uh, and he's doing community service, and he's donating to shelters, and blah blah blah. And, right. And, and the again, Chiefs are making a donation, I, and, and blah I blah, un- blah. And I understand because there's no criminal case here, that you know there's there's really nothing else they can do, but that's the best they can do. I mean, they could just suspend him forever. Or just well, that's that's the thing, is it's a perception thing. You either right. you either care or you're reacting. Right. If they'd have done everything on the front side, they care. But because, because they're, they're doing they're reacting, it post, they're just reacting. And when like, you're reacting, you can't. It literally took them ten months, yeah, to respond. Well, because they didn't even they didn't they didn't there was no follow through. They didn't care when he said he didn't go out there and there was no police report. All right, cool, good. Not an issue. Not a problem. And all it took was one disgruntled hotel employee with the copy of the video and TMZ, and it's all over. <laughs> yep, that's gotta be like it's bad to say out loud, but it's gotta be a little upsetting if you're the running back. You. You're like, God dang it. It's it's November, and now you're in trouble for something that happened in February. Right, but the truth always catches up. The truth does. You're right. You're right. Would you be honest, though? Would you have been honest? So coming to that situation, you, you the Chiefs are like, hey, what happened this weekend? We heard some things. If I, if again, if I were the man who, who beat a woman. You're probably like, the man who lies? Right. Yeah. I'm probably the guy who's going to be like, no, nothing happened. I think... 
it, a good agent, a good manager would give him the advice that listen, man, if you just go in and meet a culpa, hardcore, we'll set up a we'll set up a charity. It's going to be a tax deduction anyway. Like, there's ways that we can make this work. Yeah, I, I definitely think if you were smart, but he was just like, well, if I just lie and they never find out, then nothing's going to happen. Right. But which, they found out, which, and that which didn't in happen. Hindsight, that now he doesn't have a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now he's unemployed, which I don't think that'll last. I think next year he'll be somewhere. I think the sad truth of the statement. He, he he'll was, come back. He was probably. literally the second best running back in the league. I think he, I think once the league and him get sorted and the punishment is known, like let's say the league steps in and goes, you're going to be suspended for an entire season. He'll come back a third season. Uh, well, someone will sign him at that point. Someone will go, okay. We know he won't play this year. Our running back is 30 this year, so we'll sign him. He'll be suspended, so he won't get money, so he won't hurt us. Plus, our we'll cut our running back next year when he's 31, and we can play the kid who's only going to be 24 at that point and hasn't, hasn't ran any. The true sadness of football. Yeah, exactly. Well, everybody's interchangeable, and honestly, it doesn't matter what you do off the field as long as you perform. That's the NFL. Um, so there's some weird stuff going on with Oakland. The Raiders? The Raiders. The $0 guys? The $0 guys. The $0 guys have fired their general manager now. Uh, and essentially, it boiled down to performance. Uh, his picks haven't been very good. Nice. Uh, not including this year's draft, because it's, it's still the first season for these rookies. Starting with last year's draft, apparently, over the, like, the last two or three drafts he oversaw, um, he only has four players still active. Awesome. Good job. Yeah. Good so, job. So not that great. No, no. Although I do want to point this out: two of those players he drafted was Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. That one they had to one they had to trade away because they couldn't afford to keep them, and one they traded away because they're rebuilding and now they just want draft picks. So it should have been six, but six isn't much better than four considering you draft seven times each year. So even six out of say twenty one isn't great, and four out of twenty one is even worse. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. So I think that's really what got him fired. It didn't seem like he had an issue working with John Gruden. Um, but it, aren't they leaving Oakland? That's okay. So the there's a stadium. They've there. I was incorrect earlier when I said they didn't have a place yet in Vegas. They've started construction on a place in Vegas. It won't oh. be open until 2020, though. Oh, that's a little while. Um, so what happened to 2019? Oakland has an option for 2019 on the lease. The the Raiders do, not Oakland, in the city of Oakland. So the Raiders have an option for 2019 in the city of Oakland. Uh, the city of Oakland has now sued the Raiders in the NFL to try and force them to stay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so now you have no idea. Derek Carr just released a statement saying, not knowing where the Raiders 19, 2019 home is is just weird. That is weird. It's a whole NFL team. <laughs> they have no. Yeah, you're talking about you're talking about seventy players that that circle around an organization. Plus, you're you're talking about probably two hundred people. All the staff, right, probably two hundred people who don't know what they're doing, where they live next year. And some of these people, they can't afford. Like the players, okay, they'll just rent an apartment. That's, I mean. A millionaire. Twenty twenty grand is twenty grand is twenty grand. They'll just run an apartment somewhere in the new city. No big deal. What are the players like? What are the like? If I'm a scout and I'm making fifty, working with you, I can't aff- like I got to get out of a lease and get into a new one. Like, right? Yeah, that's gonna I, be. A I problem. feel like I feel like a lot of times that I, that happens where they're like, oh yeah, these big companies they'll, they'll they'll move around and like they have so much money they're fine, but like all of the smaller people involved, it's like that guy's working nine to five, like right. With like normal pay. So I was work- I was uh, we gotta get out of here. Uh, we got a whole thirty seconds. All right. So I was watching an episode of Shark Tank one time, and Damon wanted these guys to move to New York, that he invested in. I was watching the Beyond the Shark Tank, the one where they talk about like the business. Oh yeah, that makes sense. So he wanted the business. He wanted the business to come move into his, because in his office in New York, he has the home office of a bunch of his businesses, like the ones that are working for him, the ones that are really making money. He keeps them all together so they can kind of synchronize and get things done, and they're super efficient and blah blah blah. But the guy was like, um, well, like, I've got salespeople and stuff. And so he's taking a meeting back home. He's like, hey, so how will people feel about the move to New York? And about half of them are like, I'm single. I make good money. Let's go. I'll do New York in a heartbeat. And three of them are like, uh, my wife just had another baby, and we just bought a house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. So he's like, 
owns homes. And he's writing, like, pros and cons. <laughs> <laughs> and so what they wound up doing was, obviously, people who wanted to go could go. And then the sales staff, he's like, listen, I want your sales staff on the road anyway. I want them going to trade shows. I want them demoing the gear anyway. So their home can be wherever they want, as long as they're willing to travel the 30, 40 weeks, whatever it is. The, so, the 90% of the year. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it sucks for them because now they're traveling a lot more, but it also is, I mean, they get to keep at homes. They get to stay in Atlanta. Right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, But, uh, but yeah, I, was, I mean, sometimes these companies think about that stuff, and sometimes they don't. And just watching this small business owner be like, half my company can't move. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what happens to those people. I'm curious to see if they would replace the staff. But the NFL is also a part of this lawsuit. Yeah. So those are the big dogs. Yeah, so those Oakland, are the big boys. Oakland might not have enough money to defend themselves, but the NFL sure do. Yeah, they do. I think it might have been a mistake on Oakland's part. I think the city of Oakland probably should have just sued the Raiders. Yeah, we'll sue the Raiders. The NFL's like, okay, hey, well, you, you guys figure it out. And you too, and they're like, oh, okay. Uh, oh, really? Here's my billion dollar lawyer team. <laughs> right. Meet meet nineteen lawyers from the staff of lawyer, lawyer, and lawyer. <laughs> Like, forget about it. Uh, We're going to jump out of here to a break. When we come back, we're going to intro to the interview with Rudy T. And then when we come back, we got one more segment left of the great and undisputed ball control. Ball control. Ball control. This is Corey DLG of Ball Control, and with me as always is little brother Nico, and we're here at RNA Sports hanging out with Rudy T like we've been bragging all month. So right here, uh, Mr. Tom Donovich, thank you for coming today. Did they just call you coach? Was I super formal there? Did I blow it? No, that was good. I, I answered to just about anything, you know, <laughs> and it's good to be back in Texas and to be back in this area. I actually uh, had a lake house up here on Lake Conroe, and it brought back great memories just driving down 105. Nice. <laughs> um, so where do you say now that I'm not, I didn't realize you didn't live in the Houston area? No, I I had been out in California for 15 years. Okay. And okay. worked for the Lakers uh, in that time. And uh, decided uh, I'm reaching another plateau in my life. Uh, it's, it starts with a seven and a zero. And I thought... Uh, <laughs> I should uh, start this chapter back here, you know, bring it back here. I've got grandchildren. Uh, my son has uh, just had a baby a, a half a year ago. Uh, he's actually Rudolph Price Tomjanovich fourth. Oh, nice. And my son's is named Trey, so his nickname might be Quattro. Uh, I, I have a buddy I also call Quattro yeah. for the same reason. And then I have a couple uh, grandsons in... Uh, Houston out in Katy, uh, that's Ford and Cooper, and then uh, hopefully my daughter, who's living in L.A., will follow me and come back here, and she has a daughter named Marty. So uh, being a grandpa is not as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Yeah, my sister's made some babies, and now my mom's super granny, and she's buying all kinds of... She was she was never going to be the grandma, and now she's like, they can call me Meemaw. And you're yeah. like, whoa, what's up? Yeah, they're, they're still looking for uh, a name for me, so we'll find out. There you go. <laughs> Papaw T. I'm going to throw yeah. it in the ring. That's my yeah. that's my moniker there. All right, so obviously you, you came back to the place where you got to be considered royalty, right? Two championships back-to-back. Um, what's, like, the best memory from that little – that run specifically? Well, the – you know, the first championship – just being a Houstonian, it was so big to get because I came in and, you know, and, and went through the Astros uh, with Nolan Ryan and then, of course, the football with with uh, Earl Campbell and Pastorini and Kenny Burles and all those guys. And people came close but never getting it done. And then to be a part of the, that team that did it was just so special. And then the the next year, when uh, we had some hardships, but we didn't fall apart, and we went from the sixth spot, which I don't know if anybody will ever do that again. All, all the way, no, that's a that's a pretty. And now it's even harder with the teams like Golden State and, yes. and Toronto this year. I don't yeah. think one seeds are too good now. I don't think. It, who was the one seed that was that? 
I can't even remember who was at that at that time, but they were all good. I know no one has had to go through uh, teams that had won more games than we had played that year. And San Antonio, a team who owned us during the regular season, we got them, we beat them in six games, which was a heck of a uh, yeah. accomplishment. Yeah. And, you know, just, just having an opportunity to, to have those kind of players on uh, a team and, and get it done. It's so, you know, uh, I always have a saying, it's, it's hard to win one game. When you have to win a game, it's really hard to win one game. And uh, to have gone through all those do-or-die games, I think we had nine elimination, two, games, right? elimination yeah. games in two years. And to win them all uh, just says a lot about the character of those guys. Absolutely, absolutely. And that team really tried to stay together for a long time as well. Those guys seemed really kind of close. Um, when we were we were talking to Haywood Jeffries recently, he was with the Oilers, and you mentioned how that locker room was like super unique. And you're kind of known as a player's coach yourself. What was that kind of the case with y'all's locker room as well? Well, you know, of course, whenever you're together with guys and you go through hardship, it bonds you, and that's the kind of stuff you just you go through it once, and you just feel this together. Hey, we did that together. We did it. So many times, you know, so you can imagine. And uh, what's so cool about sports, but I think basketball, as much as any other sport, it brings people from all different backgrounds, nationalities, colors, uh, you know, uh, Probably religions. The, just the Spurs teams you know, always seem to be yeah. super international. Argentina and Spain and Absolutely. French. You know, we had the Amigo. We had an African, uh, you know, and it's just amazing how it works. And it's really like that all around the world. I did scouting and looking at the international teams, you know, they'd have the, the, uh, the majority of their team would be players from that country, but they might have a couple Americans and a couple other right, foreign yeah. players. And it, I just think sports is a wonderful way of getting people together. I definitely agree that basketball is kind of the international, because soccer hasn't really taken here. Uh, we grew up soccer. We're De La Guardia's, obviously, so soccer was our, my dad was obsessed with soccer. So we know that that's kind of the, but internationally, that's, that's huge, and then here it doesn't take, but basketball kind of yeah. is number two in a lot of those places. Speaking internationally, you have a, just since right, you have a gold medal also? Yes. So you yeah. just back-to-back -back champion, gold medal. Is there any, I mean, I know, yep. I mean, what else? Did you win, like, high school student of the year, too? Kinda... Uh, that was close. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, what people have to understand about the Olympics is it's a such an honor to be selected when you think your whole country uh, and you're the guys who are picked to go and, and uh, represent it, and then the pressure is so amazing you just cannot, you just cannot believe it, you know. And so when I was coaching in 2000, the NBA players in the Olympics had not lost a game. Uh, and we're playing against Lithuania, and they have a one-point lead with a minute to go, and we foul a three-point shooter who's a great three-point shooter. And uh, <clears throat> as he's at the line, my life is passing before my, <laughs> my brain. And I'm thinking that at my eulogy, at my... <laughs> They'll go silver medal with yeah, the loss of the and <laughs> People coming up to talk, well, he was a good friend, wonderful father, uh, you know, uh, but the dummy lost, <laughs> and uh, and we wound up winning that game. And I'm so proud to say that our guys dove on the floor. The guy who had fouled the three-point shooter was Antonio McDice, and he got the the basket that put us ahead. And I mean, it was so physical. I think there were four guys on the floor, and he winds up putting it in. Is, is McDice the is he, with the Pistons? He wound up winning the championship. Is that that same Antonio McDice? Uh, 
I don't, I don't know if they won the championship with him, but I mean, he's the Antonio McDice. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Who was on that? It was a 2000 team, right? 2000 in, in uh, Sydney. Okay. Okay. That's a, that was an yeah. You know, then the next year. They lost a lot of games, and, and you weren't there. We don't have to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we we won't we won't put that one on you. Yeah. Uh, so you also co you also like your first was it about twenty three years with the Rockets between playing and scouting. Oh, uh, thirty three. Thirty three. Short of you a decade. Yeah. <laughs> you, you get to seventy, you don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was wonderful. That uh, the one thing you can say about s sports is that you're not going to settle in one place. And most people don't, but I had that opportunity to stay with one team all that time. And then the coach, the team afterwards, it's just, it's just amazing. It was a comment he made, actually. We spoke to someone who played all their football in Texas, and he was like, that's got to be really impressive. And you were with one city for almost your entire career. How many yep. years did you coach the Lakers? Uh, just a half a year. I, went, I, had, I left the job here because I got cancer, and... Uh, and, you know, went into treatment and had to go through two cycles of that, which is no fun. Uh, and I, they pronounced me uh, clear. And uh, I was out scouting, and the Lakers approached me, and that sounded really good. But I, I should have probably waited and got acclimated, you know, but I th threw myself right back in there and... When I was in it, we were doing pretty good. We had a winning record, but I started feeling all the stress and thinking that maybe I made a mistake. And uh, I went to the owner and said, uh, you know, uh, it's probably not the right thing for me. And they were great about it. Uh, and uh, they kept me on for 14 years working, you know, behind the scenes. And, I didn't realize that. And, uh, yeah, it was quietly kept. And... Uh, I got to help them with uh, reports and. So you you're the guy who told him LeBron James was probably a good sign. Uh, they wouldn't <laughs> listen to me. On that. <laughs> but you know what was great about it? My son and I got to work together for 14 years. That's awesome. And he's a computer guy, and I had always wanted to know the true numbers, you know, the analytics on uh, some basketball plays and all that, and we did it, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And the, the crazy thing is we didn't even have to be in the same city, yeah. you know, because we had the computer and, and all that. But uh, it was really interesting because, you know, a lot of people would say I was just a gut-feeling guy, and I, I, I went with my gut most of the time. And that is true, but I always wanted to know uh, is this the percentage thing to is do? Is this a smarter play? Exactly. Is there, is there a smarter play? Yeah. Well, that's always a good coach, right? You want to, you, you don't want to just hear one voice. You want to train. Yeah, you want to use, use all the the nuggets you can put in the in the basket. You know. Yeah. And speaking of nuggets, we're gonna get some nuggets in our basket here when we get out to a break. When we come back, we got more ball control. Ball control. Ball control. All right, guys, how was that? That's exciting stuff, man. We've, we've had a really good run here at Ball Control so yeah, far. I know, on Spooky Episode 13. Ooh. Ooh. We should have done, like, weird sports stories. I guess the biggest weird sports story I can think of off the top of my head is the Washington Redskins Joe Theismann leg break. Alex Smith, Joe, uh, Joe Theismann, similar leg break on like the 25th anniversary of the other one with the final score being the same thing, with a world-famous linebacker being the guy who breaks their leg, with the they probably never played again. <laughs> All those That's, parallels. <laughs> like, it's just sports is just like a weird ball of like, this is coincidence, but it's like, is it all coincidence or is it a cycle? Like, what's happening? Right, exactly, because it's the same franchise, it's the same stuff. Like, there's a lot of times where sports... Like, here's the thing. If you do enough things over and over and over and over and over again, there's enough data where you can find the similarities and the patterns and the blah and the blah and the blah. It's like this. The Washington Redskins, the seasons of presidential elections, their last home game before the election, if they win, the incumbent stays in power. If they lose, the incumbent loses. 
And statistically, I believe that's held true for like the last 30 years or something like that. It's insane. And it's just a weird... Like it's dumb. You just use the, you just use the Washington Redskins to make predictions. Well, and I think even even this time when it didn't make sense with everyone watching the election, everyone expected it to go one way, and it winds up with Trump winning. Which even the even the TV people were like, "This is a surprise." Blah blah blah. I think the Washington Redskins they 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 lost the they lost the last home game before the election. Which for the people who know the rule that that meant that Trump was supposed to win, but at the time you're like, "Well, I guess this is the year that breaks it." <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Turns out they know better than you. Um, and so, so like, Washington Redskins secretly know better than you. Right, and they throw games. I don't know. <laughs> they they use the Illuminati. Yeah. The Illuminati influenced that game with their weird magic powers. Psychic um, vampires. I hate I hate the Illuminati myth. You know, I was talking to a buddy about the flat earth thing and I was like, "Ugh. It's so stupid. Who are these people?" And Steph Curry doesn't believe we landed on the moon. Steph Curry doesn't believe we landed on the moon. He he said that over a radio interview. He's now since taken it back, and NASA even invited him. Hey, next time you come play Houston, come by the Space Center, and we'll show you some moon rocks, you big dummy. <laughs> and so he took it back, and he apologized <laughs> to everybody, and so now he's taking up NASA when he shows up. Uh, But, yeah, it's just a... Come on, Steph Curry. Um, so real quick, in the millionaire watch that we're doing on Major League Baseball, uh, the super millionaire watch between Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. Yep. Um, someone between the two of them probably going to get about six hundred million dollars this off season. That's ball. It's kind of a lot of money. It's kind of a lot of money. Uh, it's circling. It's circling right now. It looks like Manny Machado may wind up at the Yankees because they need an infielder. And now the talk is Bryce Harper might wind up in the Dodgers, Los Angeles. Oh man, maybe yeah. they can win a <laughs> can win a World Series. Um. He, they also are saying the Phillies might be a possibility, but they just signed an outfielder to three years, $50 million. So maybe not. So people were saying, okay, well, that means they won't do it. But it sounds like they're maybe you're trying to move some other things around to get him. And then they're going to have like open spots. So one of the open spots was this guy. And one of the other open spots is going to be for Bryce Harper or Machado. So it's a possible, like, it's just weird. Everyone knows that it's going to happen is essentially how that's going. It's so funny. It's It's bizarre. It's, I mean, now baseball is like the weirdest, like it when is, it comes right? to like rosters. Well, and the thing of it is they're both, they're both 24, 25, I believe they're young. They're very young. So typically when teams sign these 10 year deals, 12 year deals to get, that's how they're going to get to 300 million, 350 million. Right. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be over 10 or 12 years. Typically when teams offer those kinds of contracts, the player's already 32, 33 and people are like, what kind of player are you going to have when he's 40, 41, 42, 43? And, you're, and they escalate. The salaries escalate. So by the end of it, you're talking about a guy making like $48 million, and he's hardly playable. And he's 43. And so, but I mean, like what, these guys will be like 35. When these guys done. will still be, weirdly, because baseball is so bizarre, in the prime of their they'll, – they'll be able to sign another contract after this one. Which is wild. We're talking about a lot of money. That's These guys are probably going to be the first maybe $500 million athletes in baseball. Yeah. That's uh, strange to think about, but true. If you got 600 between the two of them, there's easily. Well, so, like, they'll probably each get around $300 million, and they'll be 35-ish when they get on the back, when they get to the end of it. Get another 200 mil at the end. Yeah, absolutely. I think they get, I think you probably get 200 mil over four years at that point. The, the economics will be so vastly different in baseball at that point from 10 years. Yeah. That fifty million dollars a year for these for these as long as they maintain this caliber of play, if they're still Bryce Harper and Manny Machado ten years from now, yeah, absolutely, they could get two hundred million. They could get another two hundred million each, and they could re, they could retire having had over five hundred million dollars in salary, which is insane. That's crazy. Do you know what's weird though? If you do the math on that, so they get they get to keep two thirds of that, right? Right. So they get about three hundred thirty three hundred forty million dollars, and then. Of that, they are probably given fifteen percent to lawyers and and managers and agents. So you're talking about minus another fifty ish. So out of five hundred, five hundred twenty million dollars in checks, you're, you're maybe taking home like two eighty. Yeah, only two hundred eighty million. I say only, but I mean, if you thought you were getting X, and what you wind up with is literally almost forty percent yeah. of that. <laughs> That hurts. It does hurt. That hurts. But that's several hundred million dollars. It is. It is. My bad. A couple million dollars. You're not going wrong with that. No. So, no. Yeah, no. A couple hundred million dollars. Yeah, not a couple hundred. Yeah. Um, so You're not going to be like, oh, darn, only yeah. got uh, $280 million. Bum, bum, bum. 
Like, there's no, like, what are you supposed to use all that on? I mean, you know what I would use it on. I know what you would use it on. You know what I would use it on, but that's not, that's not their problem. That's not here nor there. Yeah. My understanding is that's not their issue. Um, plus, if you're as pretty as them, you don't have to use it on half of what I would use it on. Fair enough. Um, so, anyway, the Rockets actually won a really uh, game the other day. Oh, my gosh. They won a and whole game. And most importantly, they were down 15. They came back? And they came back and they won. Wow. Uh, they've had to change their lineup a little bit. They're starting guys off the bench. It's kind of affected the chemistry a little bit. But you still have Golden State Warriors. You still have San Antonio Spurs coming up in the schedule. So... How have the Warriors been doing? I know they had a really bad losing streak for a little bit. They, they're, they're losing a little bit right now. Oklahoma Thunder is number one in the in the West. But Golden State also just hasn't been healthy yet. That's Steph true. Curry has missed about four weeks, which in games you're talking about probably 10, 12 games. Yeah. Draymond Green's been out. Other guys have been out. So it's been they've been patchworking the lineup. So they haven't gotten to play as the Golden State Warriors yet. So it's been different. The Lakers are playing well right now. Um, the Lakers. The team we beat, unfortunately, the Portland Trailblazers, they're like the seventh seed, though. And Ooh. Yeah, right. And there's still teams better than not losing. There's still teams out of the playoffs like New Orleans that we're not better than. So I don't know, man. Like I'm just looking at it and I I don't understand. I don't see. You don't think we're gonna do it? I don't know. I don't. We've already had 20 games. I mean, we're 25 percent through the season. We should be trending in an upward pattern. And so far, we're not. Oh boy. Um. All right. So we saved this for the end here, just to have some fun on the way out the door here. Uh, Nico, you got to go to your first NFL game. I did. I went to the Colts Houston game. Yeah, that was we went fun. together. Did you have a good time? Uh, it was. It was interesting. It was yeah. a lot of fun to like see all like the weird like inner workings. Like, oh, this is what it's like when you're not watching this on TV. Oh, like the TV gloves. <laughs> yeah, TV gloves, man. Um, big so orange gloves. I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll just kind of explain it as though you've never been. So, if you've never been to an NFL game, there's a guy on the sidelines of the home uh, sidelines of the home field. At least it always is at the Texans. I've never been anywhere else. And he wears giant orange, bright orange oven mitts, probably mid mid area of arm between elbow and shoulder, like they're large. And it's so the refs can see him from anywhere on the field. And he's got a couple of hand signs that he gives that essentially tells the refs that they're taking a TV timeout or they're going to continue through. So if you're watching the product on TV, when when the announcers are like, okay, and we're going to jump out here to a break. The way they know on the field to stop play is this guy basically steps onto the field doing like an I dream of genie. Like arms closed, and so the refs then basically just they blow everything stopped, and they that's them calling. And it's usually like if there's a kickoff, we stop, you stop the return. Everyone's coming on and off the field. The refs then just blow everything dead. So okay, everybody wait around for four minutes while they do commercials, and when they come back, we'll run a play. Yeah, it's like real commercials, and like they would play stuff at the stadium. It was neat. Also, we spent a whole eight dollars on a soda. <laughs> one soda. <laughs> yeah, you owe me money for that popcorn. I saw I saw my car to get run there. Fourteen dollars. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I sent Nico, I said, Hey man, will you give me a drink? And then I guess just something for you. He's like, All right, cool. And he comes back and he's got popcorn and a drink. And I was like, Ugh, he did. <laughs> Spent a whole five dollars on popcorn. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean it's it's a real interesting experience when you're there because they just stop a bunch of times. And at first I know you I didn't realize I didn't even think to mention it, because at first you're just like, What are we doing? Because the first time they stop, everyone's kind of standing around, and you're like, um... <laughs> What's happening? And I was like, oh, it's a commercial. And he's like, what? <laughs> and it's because the games are all televised. And right, so, yeah, they have commercials in during the games. <laughs> so they run little games and stuff on the screen for you to play, and they run little videos and things to And, like, halftime is, like, the obvious one, but, like, they take, like, small breaks in between everything. Right. It's so two strange. Two-minute warnings. The two-minute warning is always a commercial break for TV, so the cheerleaders go out and they dance. Um, it's always... Although, can I tell one thing that really bothered me is how absolutely ridiculous, like, all of the weird, like, music choices they would make, and then they would cut off at, like, either bad times, or they only played for, like, not even ten whole seconds. (laughs) Like, it was real aggravating, like, oh, hey, I like this song, and then just nothing. (laughs) Yeah, and again, it's because when they're not, when they're not on TV... They're 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 killing time. They're distracting you. So they're playing music. They're switching to videos. They're going to this. They're doing that. And the music, I think, is how they kind of fill the gaps when between a video loading a like between a video A loading and video B loading. And they're like, oh, hang on, a couple seconds. Turn the music on. Okay, it's loaded. And then they turn it. And on. like the music varies like wildly from like, <laughs> like click click boom and like hip hop into like 
some general like poppy stuff by like Taylor Swift. You know what's okay? So I'm glad you brought that up. It's funny to me because, all right. So the NFL is predominantly black, and so that's predominantly going to be a hip hop based music choice. So what the players want to hear, what the players' families want to hear, what the players want like what they want is hip hop. So when you're on the field and stuff, what they're listening to to get ready, what you're hearing in the locker rooms is hip hop, and then. The NFL is followed by mostly white people. So they want to hear country and heavy metal and, and uh, you know, that's their tough guy music. That's what they want to hear. And so, like, yeah, it jumps back and forth between, like, Usher and Ludacris, yeah, to, like, uh, what was, what do they play? Oh, well, obviously they play Deep in the Heart of Texas. Oh, obviously. Obviously. Um, but, yeah, they were doing, like, Rage Against the Machine. Right. It's like, well, how do we, how do we get here? But they'll be like back to back. Yeah, they'll, yeah, they shove them together because they did. Oh, we got forty eight seconds here. Let's throw two songs on. <laughs> but yeah, it is a really interesting experience, though. Also, um, you're never invited back because they lost. Yep, it was just uh, that's just they're like nine s- and one, and that one's the one you went to. Right. So never invited back. Yeah, I've, I mean that's okay. I'll just I'll just <laughs> not spend twenty dollars on a soda and some popcorn ever again. <laughs> <laughs> we had a good time though, and I it hope was you guys fun. did too. I, I I recommend going to at least one if you haven't been. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool experience, and plus the NFL does a great job. I think this is where they're smart, is they turn NFL Sunday into an event. Going to a game takes all day. I mean, what time did we get home? We got home at like five thirty-five. Yeah. So from when we left to when we got home, you're just driving in traffic all the way back. Like it's just it's a whole thing. The game starts at noon. You got to leave your house by like. 10.30, we left a little bit later than that. We managed to get there right as they're kicking off the game. Uh, the game's three and a half hours, four hours, and our game was a fast game. Uh, usually they're longer than that. And then, yeah, you got to drive all the way back in traffic because everyone's leaving the stadium together, all 80,000 of you. Right. So they turn it into an event. I think that's a really smart way because then people buy the tickets. Yeah, and they want to show up. There's stuff to do and activities. And, and if you get there early enough, like I said, they were already doing kickoff right as we – walked in um if you get there early enough there's bands playing and stuff like right. that it's a whole event outside it's a party uh that being said so's ball control but this party is over oh so sad yeah uh we'll be back next week at 2 p.m and then check us out tomorrow on nerd thug radio actually i'm gonna be taking the day off nika so i'm gonna leave you in charge tomorrow oh no what do i do um uh, i recommend you make a show oh that's a pretty good idea yeah just try that all right. All right. We're going to jump out of here now. You guys all have a great week. Enjoy yourselves and have a safe weekend. Come back and check out Ball Control. Ball Control. Ball Control.